Iowa. Uh, if you could, wait one second. There we go. If you could turn with me to Ephesians 1. Yeah, Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 8. Uh, today, just uh, just to tell you, we're going to be speaking about the centrality of Christ in everything, in absolutely everything, and more specifically in our salvation, in our interaction with God, but how Jesus Christ is absolutely essential to everything that that encompasses, everything that has to do between us and God, between God's doing in our lives, between our salvation, our redemption, everything that we know as Christians, Jesus Christ is at the center of it. So that's the title of this. It's called The Centrality of Christ, Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. So let's go ahead and turn there, and if you could follow with me. Follow with me. It says, Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Let's go ahead and pray for that word. Father God, Lord, we, uh, we come before you unworthy of receiving your word, um, imperfect, Lord, and, and having failed you, Lord. And yet we, we come before you because of Jesus Christ. We come before you appealing, Lord, to, that, that you remember him, that you remember his perfection, that you remember his sacrifice, and that you would talk to us today, Lord, even myself, that you would speak to us, speak to our hearts. May the name of Jesus Christ be lifted high in our lives, and may we live out in exaltation of, of His name, Lord. And may people glorify Him because of us, Lord, which give us that privilege, and in His name we pray. Amen. 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 Great. So, to start, we, uh, we all know what Jesus did for us. We, do, we understand that there is no way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. But we often don't stop to look at and realize the things that are possible and that we receive because of and through our Savior Jesus Christ. So we're now we're going to take a look at the centrality, the necessity, and the presence of the Son in absolutely everything. Okay, so let's just go ahead. We're going to... Study it together, basically. That's how, I, uh, that's how I speak. That's how I share. We just go through it together and analyze each part. So starting with verse 3. If you could keep your Bibles open there. We're going to start with verse 3. And Paul is saying, Praise be to the God and Father... I'm sorry. I didn't wait. Are you guys all there? Or there? Yes. Uh, it's uh, Ephesians 1, 3. Hmm. Okay, so we're going to just do verse 3 for now. So Paul is writing, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So that's number one. First thing we're going to look at, who has blessed us, God has blessed us as his children with, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And this is, a, this is a, a tricky phrase here, in Christ, because it has two possible meanings. One, the word in could be understood as locality. What that means is that the, um, which would mean that all the blessings that God, the Father has given us as his children are found in the person of Jesus Christ. That they lie in him and nowhere else. And that we must be found in him in order to receive and experience the blessings that God showers us with. That means that in Christ could mean that all the blessings that God has given us are found in the person of Jesus Christ. And we must be found in him to experience these things. It could also mean uh, instrumentality, which means that God has blessed us through Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in Christ. It means um, when the Son became flesh in Jesus Christ, He became the way and the channel through which God blessed His children. Now, this is interesting. If we think about it, this gives an entire new meaning to the life of service that Jesus lived. Not only did he serve us by dying, not only did he serve us by healing and restoring, but even by being, he was already serving us. And this is because his very existence was a channel of blessing from the Father to us. And, and this hit me as I studied this, as I read this, as exactly what happened. It gave me a new meaning of, wow, Jesus served us not only when he washed his disciples' feet. That wasn't the only expression of service that, that he showed. He, he showed service by even coming to the world, by even being born. His life was an act of service because he was serving that God the Father and us by being that channel of blessing. For we just read that God blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And without Him, we could not have that. Therefore, His entire life, His entire existence, and His being here on earth was already service in itself. Um, whether we understand it that in Christ means locality, meaning that they're found in Him, or instrumentality, that the blessings came through Him, Christ is still the indispensable factor. If Christ is the personification or the channel of God's supreme blessing on us, then inevitably our blessings are found solely in Him and nowhere else. The Father has blessed us with all blessings in Christ. And that's something for us to, to look at now as, as children of God, as we claim to be children of God and in Christ. We can praise God because He has blessed us in Christ. And we can focus in on Christ and say, may we be found in Him, that we may experience and receive and praise God for all the blessings that He has given us through Him. Verse 4. Verse 4 reads, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Number, number two of what God did through Jesus Christ for us. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. So before... He had even created the earth and the world. The Father chose each and every one of us with the purpose of standing as holy and blameless in His sight. And we read that and you say, why, why is that the purpose? Well, because it just says it. And number, verse 4 says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. So if you think about it and you read it carefully, the purpose for which you were chosen is to be holy and blameless in His sight. And it's interesting to think because we don't become holy and blameless by our own doing. Therefore, God saved you 
to please himself and, and to save you from, from his own judgment. And he saves you and he says, you're going to be holy and blameless. It's like me choosing a criminal saying, you're going to be innocent. You're actually going to be innocent over here. And he, he did not prove himself innocent. He did not work. He did not serve his time. He did not work for his innocence. But I chose him and said, I'm going to choose you to be innocent. That's what God did with us. He chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless with the purpose of being holy and blameless in his sight. Um, but he didn't just choose us. He did not just choose us. He specifically chose us in him, him being Jesus Christ. This means that the only way for anyone to be innocent, or holy and blameless, before God must be by being in Christ. If God, if God, if Paul is saying that God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless, that means that he did not choose outside of Christ. And this exposes, this verse right here exposes the extreme exclusivity of our gospel and how there is absolutely no other name than the name of Jesus Christ that has the power to save us from God's judgment. If he chose us in Christ, he did not choose us through Muhammad. And he did not choose us through Allah, or through Buddha, through, through Gandhi or anyone else that we could look up to. He did not choose us through anyone else, but he chose us through Christ. Therefore, we cannot seek to go to God through any other way. It has to be in Christ. We have to be in Christ for us to be chosen. Uh, it says, if God chose us in Christ, this means that he did not choose us outside of Christ. It doesn't matter how good or moral or righteous we claim to be. The only reason any one of us, the only reason any one of us is in good standing with God is because of Jesus Christ. And God chose us in Christ because it was only in Him, in Jesus, that the perfection and a worthy sacrifice was found. And what I mean by this, what the perfection and worthy sacrifice is that it was only in Christ that there was sufficient perfection and sufficient worthiness so that we could be saved through Him. He could not save me through Cami. Or He could not save you through me because I have sinned. Because I have sinned. I have my own penalty to pay. But yet Jesus Christ lives the perfect life, the life of, of obedience, complete obedience, that He could be the one to save us. And in fact, He was. Indeed, amen. Great. Hallelujah. Because that is true. Because yeah. that is true. Let's keep, keep going right through. Verse 5. Verse 5 reads, In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. And um, I shared this, I shared this uh, message recently at a camp I was in. The guys remember. And, I, and before that, too, I've been working on it for a while. But this, this verse hit me a little personally. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you why. reason it, it hit me more personally is because I have a, a specific idea of love. And I see it as a decision. I see it as a sacrifice in you, as a discipline. You decide to love. You wake up and you lay your life down for your brother, for your wife, for whoever. And yet when I read this verse, that's not really what comes to mind. Um, when it says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted, it, we can almost see the affection and the care and the tenderness in the heart of God as he predestined us. Um, and, and so it was, it was hard for me to accept, hard for me to, to um, come to terms with. But I had no other choice. In love, God actually does tenderly care for us and predestined us in Jesus Christ to be part of his family. And it says, God predestined us, all of us, 
who are saved to be his sons and daughters. And this means that he destined us to be with him as his family before any actions were taken. We cannot, we cannot change what it says. We cannot, it has to be clear. He destined us to be with him as his family. He destined you to be with him as his family, as his son or as his daughter, before any action was taken. And, and that is said, and you are there. This is our destiny of being his children was established before we could even think of it. You were gonna be God's child before you were even born. I was gonna be God's son before I was even born. And that's his doing. The fact that he already destined us to be there before we could even think of it. However, it wasn't just set in stone and left to be. As a matter of fact, the great price of the life of Jesus had to be paid in order for us to experience the adoption of God into his family. The verse reads, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. It's not just that God chose us and predestined us, says, you're going to be with me and spend eternity with me. And that's, that's that. But no, we had sinned. In fact, there was a problem at hand. There was something that had to be fixed. That's why through Jesus Christ is so important. Because through Jesus Christ is how we, we became children of God. Even if, uh, if it may sound harsh, this means that not everybody is a child of God, as some may say. Though God is everyone's creator, he is not everyone's father. As we clearly see, it is only through the person of Jesus Christ that we can be a child of God. Uh, uh, and I had something else to say about this. Oh, yeah. I remember now. I didn't, I didn't write it in the notes, so I don't want to say it's improv, but a uh, little bit of improv. This is really interesting because I was thinking to myself, what about, what about Abraham? What about Jacob? What about all the people that were, in fact, cool with God, but they were before Jesus Christ? How were they not adopted as sons of, or daughters of God if they were in good standing with God? And it really, it's kind of confused. But then another verse came to mind. And you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it real quick. It's in Romans, um, Romans 12. And it, it says how... It, well, okay. I won't try to find it. I should have marked it down. But it talks about how God saw the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and counted everyone before him. He withheld his... Uh, his, his judgment on them because he was looking forward to Jesus Christ. That's the answer. That's how it covers absolutely everyone in both senses of, of time, both directions of time, both after us and before, meaning Abraham and Jacob and, and Sarah and Adam and Eve and all them. Everyone is covered by the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And they had faith in God. And, that, and that's, what, that's what justified them. We have faith in Christ and that's what justifies us. So that's just quickly, if that ran through your mind, you know, what about the people before? That's the answer, because it definitely ran through my mind. All right, so verse, verse 6. Keep going here. It says, and he, and he made... Uh, yep, to the, no, I'm sorry, verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Um, it says, God has saved, up, saved us so that, so that we would praise him. He has served us with... We already spoke of one purpose being holy and blameless in his sight. He saved us to accomplish that purpose. Number two purpose, he saved us so that we would praise him. As I remember a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were singing, and I, and I prayed this, that he has opened our eyes to see the blessings and grace that he's poured down on us. 
he saved us so we could experience these things and praise him unceasingly for them. But these things weren't free, though they were freely given. They had a great price. Again, the perfect life and death of Jesus Christ, the outpouring of God's wrath and judgment on him and his resurrection were all factors that needed to take place in order for us to receive and see the glorious grace God has given us. Now, we cannot work for these graces that God gives us. Therefore, they are freely given to us. They are a gift. But just because I buy someone a gift does not mean that the gift was in fact free. In the same way, God's glorious grace unto us had an incredible cost, yet He paid it and gave it to us, His children, free of charge. And, and I know we all know this, but let's look into it a little bit. God the Father wants to bless us with His glorious grace, yet He cannot because we have a penalty to pay. And that grace has a cost. The cost is the payment of that penalty. And that's where Jesus Christ, our Savior, comes in. He pays that penalty. And God blesses us through Jesus Christ. And, and as I just read, that grace, that blessing, all that pouring and showers of, of mercies and, and kindness, they all have an incredible cost, which is the perfect life of Jesus Christ. And yet us, being unworthy, God gives it to us freely, freely, absolutely no charge. You know, I ask, what did you do for your salvation? What did I do for my salvation, for God's kindness? Absolutely nothing. He gives it to us freely. And just like that analogy, if I buy Cammy a gift for his birthday, I buy him a car, you know, and I give him to it freely. He doesn't pay me for it, yeah. but the car wasn't free. There was an extreme cost for it. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ paid that price so that we could receive the grace of God freely. And now, before we um, move on to verse 7, I wanted to speak about the relationship between verses 5 and 6 and how the presence of God, I'm sorry, the presence of Christ completely surrounds everything. So verse 5, let's go back to it real quick. Let's just read 5 and 6 and we'll jump into this because I want to speak about that relationship. It says, verse 5 says, In love He predestined us to be, the, to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. So verse 5 reads that God predestined us he, to, in love to be adopted through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. And verse 6 follows and says, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. So to the praise, to the praise means that he did whatever he did with the intended purpose or leading in the direction of praising his glorious grace. That's what to the praise means. If, if we say, um, oh, I can't think of it, but to, that's what to the praise means, that, that he did whatever he did to the, in order that we may praise him and his glorious grace. So what this means, God predestined us in Christ to be his children. So we praise him for the glorious grace which he has also given to us in Christ. 
And we see this in, in, in the predestination, in the, in the being chosen, in the being blessed, and also in the grace that we are to praise Him for. They're both given through Christ. Christ is everywhere. He is found in every step, every aspect, and every factor of God's interaction with us. It is through Jesus Christ that God predestined us, and also through Him that we receive the purpose of our salvation. And, and, and as I just spoke, I just want to make this clear. As I just said recently, the two purposes so far, one is to be holy and blameless, and two is to praise His glorious grace. Okay, so we're, we're talking about praising His glorious grace right now as being a purpose of our salvation. And the person of Jesus Christ is the one through whom one we received our salvation or the, the ability to praise God. And two, he is also the one through whom we received the reason to praise God, which is the glorious grace. He is at the beginning and at the end. He is at the why and the because. Jesus Christ is always there when it comes to us and God. He is, the, he, he is the one that enables us to praise Him and the one that gives us the reason to praise Him because through Him we receive the graces that we see and that we desire to praise God for. It is through Christ. So without Him, we would not have a reason to praise God. And without Him, we wouldn't have the ability to praise God. So both the, the desire, just like, just like the Bible says, both the, the desire and the will come from God. You know, and, and I think that's just pointing at Jesus Christ. Both the will being the ability and the desire being the reason for, they both are found in the person of Jesus Christ. And only through Him can we receive both things. Um, verses 7 and 8, they read, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us, with all wisdom and understanding. We're going to focus more on verse 7. It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And these verses really show the inseparable parts of our Savior. The inseparable parts, what I mean here is two things. One, who He is. And two, what He did. So verse 7 reads, In Him... And I'm going to emphasize that part. It reads, in Him, in Jesus, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood. Again, there is no redemption outside of, of Jesus. Who Jesus was, being the Son of God and the Son of Man, was precisely the only person who could save us. No other could pay our penalty because all others had their own penalty to pay. Only Jesus only Jesus could live the perfect life that deserved life and then pay our penalty by death on the cross. So that's, that's, that's one thing. That's who He is. The Son of God, the perfect man, Son of man also. Flesh and spirit perfectly united. Who He is is essential. And that's what this verse is really showing. Both things. Who He is and what He did. Number two, what He did. And in that same line that we just read, emphasize something different. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. Here are the two things that we're looking at. Who He is and what He did. Who He is being in Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood. And what He did, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The same line gives us both things. Um, it says this means that it took the sacrifice of Jesus to bring us redemption. He indeed had to die. He had to die, and it would have 
Think about it. It would have done us no good for him to live a perfect life and obey the Father in everything and then go up to heaven. Because we would still have our debt of sin to pay against God. Jesus was not only Jesus not only was the one who could save us, but he actually died and saved us that we might live. So this I, verse seven and eight just emphasize it had to be Jesus. It could not be anyone else. It had to be him. He was the only one worthy of paying for our penalty. The only one capable of paying for someone else's penalty. The only one that had no penalty himself. It had to be Jesus. And number two, he had to die. He had to do what he did. He had to go to the cross for us to live. It had to happen. It wasn't enough for him to be perfect because we're still imperfect. He had to be perfect and then pay for our imperfection. He had to live that perfect life, live that worthy life, and then suffer in our place as imperfect and unworthy. Therefore, these two things are essential and just point to the person of Jesus Christ of who he is and what he did on the cross for us. And even coming back to life, all of it, all of it is encompassed in what he did. And that's verses uh, 3 through 7. And I, I knew it was going to be kind of short. Well, that's all right. Here's my, here's my conclusion. It says, let us, let us, as verse 1, Paul is writing, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now let us, let us, each and one of us by, by name, even myself, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for everything He has done. We're, we're seeing all these things that He has done, that He, that, that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with all spiritual blessings, that, that He has chosen us in Christ, that He predestined us in love. Before He created the world, He predestined us. He chose you. He said, you're going to be mine. Through Jesus Christ, you're going to be mine. That all the grace that He has freely given us in the one He loves, in Jesus Christ, for all these things, may we be moved and compelled, like Paul was, to praise and glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May these truths push us to speak boldly and desperately about the salvation granted by faith in Christ, not with reluctance or shame, but with gladness and conviction. And I, and I just, uh, I hope, I desire, I invite you, I encourage you to, to make the effort to seek God and to be compelled by these truths, to share them with others. And just as Cam was saying, you know, the whole evangelistic thematic and the whole evangelistic mindset of this church is really, really biblical. It's really awesome how we're focused on on going out and reaching those that don't know Jesus Christ. And, and if these things don't move us to, to go out there and, and speak to them, then nothing will. Yes. If this salvation, all these things that God has given us through the person of Jesus Christ, if we've experienced them, how, how can we not share them with others? How can we not preach? How can we not witness? And so may these things move us to go out and preach. All, all these things that we have just seen today, we have no excuse. Sorry, you heard it. I heard it too. We have no excuse to not go out and preach. For now we know. Now we know what, what has been done for us in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know, or if you, don't, if you haven't experienced this, these things are available indeed yeah. through faith in Jesus Christ. They are. And, and, and God does save for His own glory, for your own good. For your own good 
through faith in Christ. And that's, that's what I had prepared. I just wanted to, to speak about those verses and just analyze them and, and see them with you guys and just uh, remind ourselves, encourage ourselves, just pump ourselves up because of what God has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ and also to exalt and lift up the name and the person of Jesus Christ who is central and focal and essential and necessary in absolutely all our doings, in all our relationship with God and with others. So that's what I had. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, listen to that one song and then um, continue worshiping God. If you don't know that song, you just can uh, listen to it.